0: Hello, welcome to Useful Idiots uh, Colin calling Useful Idiots. We are about to get started. Thank you so much to everyone who's here. Thank you for uh, so much to everyone who's coming with questions. And this is a reminder that you can, of course, catch Useful Idiots Monday morning at 10 a.m. Um, that's when we do a live show where we watch the uh, Sunday morning shows that we watch so that you don't have to. You can, of course, subscribe to Useful Idiots on YouTube. That is a way to help grow the show and like all of our streams, whether you watch them live or later. We really appreciate that. And um, you can, of course, subscribe to our Substack at UsefulIdiots.substack.com, and that gives you um, access to uh, ad-free content, extended interviews, bonus content. It's a great thing to do. And, uh, yeah, I think we're just going to start by taking your questions. Right, Aaron, you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. We got Zach. Hi, Zach.
1: Hello,
2: can you guys hear me all right? I'm driving. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, good morning. Um, I really enjoyed listening to your guys' calling. I mean, uh, listening to Useful Idiots this morning. And um, when I was listening about Elon Musk, I was just thinking about, like, how much I, I fucking hate that guy and just, <laughs> like, how much he sucks. Um, but I was wondering, like, what do you guys think would have been some of the consequences if he were to become a part of the Twitter board of directors? And do you think that it wouldn't have meant, meant anything and it wouldn't have made a difference? Do you think that it that he would have implemented negative uh reforms um is it just not a big deal or like would there actually have been something positive that could have come out of it Um, what do you think yeah well i think i don't know i I don't know exactly how he would be able to wield his how he would want to wield his leverage on twitter and i could also see him using it as like a way to build his own self-image as like this protector of free speech even as he like you know, yeah. is incredibly um, punitive towards Tesla workers who are trying to protest against unfair labor conditions. So I could I could see it going in a bunch of different directions, but I don't know. I mean, he's he's just such a he's such a fucking tool. Like I don't I don't know. I also don't care that much about like the boards of directors of corporations. Like that's not really the biggest the big issue here. But what do you think, Aaron and Katie?
3: Yeah, I thought like what I just thought was funny was kind of like the freak out from people like Brian Stelter, that Elon Musk joining the board might mean that Twitter will censor less. I just thought that was really funny. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> aside from aside from that, look, I personally have Elon Musk on mute, so I never see anything he says, and so I don't really know don't much. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, look, Twitter is like it seeing its behavior during the war in Ukraine has been really surreal. Just suspending seeing so many dissenting voices suspended, like Scott Ritter, he's now been suspended again. He was know, suspended second one, time second time and they it's you know, I, I don't know what his slapping latest...
2: everybody with a sorry, sorry, slapping everybody with like a Russia state affiliated media um sticker. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but not anyone who works for a friendly US state like uh Exactly. Including, the, including the U.S. And also, even calling people Russian state-affiliated media if they don't even work for RT anymore, because RT shut down. So, someone like Lee Camp, who doesn't even work for RT anymore, he's still Russian state-affiliated media, it's, uh, yeah. a, a, according to Twitter. So, I, um, would Elon Musk have made a difference? To, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm just checking. They've removed that from Lee's Twitter. Okay, so that's good. Good for him. But other people still have it. Like George Galloway, I know, still has it. Yeah, George so,
2: Galloway got
3: it. So uh, would Elon Musk have been a difference? I have no idea. I doubt it. I somehow doubt it.
2: Okay. Well, thank you very much. Um, and I love listening to you guys. So
0: thanks. Keep doing,
3: thanks, doing. Thanks.
0: thanks. Thank you. Also, some, some, some you people have been asking about the Pakistan coup. And I just want to say I'm having on uh, Vijay Prashad on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. on the Katie Alper show to talk about that.
3: And I will be doing something on pushback, my show about that very shortly. Hopefully, right. even as early as today, but very, very soon.
0: Do you know your
3: guest yet? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. do keep I'm it not secret? Pre- not prepared to announce the guest All yet, right. but yeah, yeah. Only because I don't want other people to steal my my guests. But oh, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, Katie. I'll tell All you off right. there. Great, great. <laughs> All right, uh, and okay. Let's take the next caller.
0: Oh yeah, nobody better talk to VJ or I know you stole him from me. That's right. All right, next caller. We got Selly. Hi. hi, hi. How are you? Good, uh, you?
4: <laughs> very good. Uh, just from Argentina, right? Oh, Argentina. Yes, yes. Great. Uh I I be very brief because it's not the main subject, but I think that. You know how everybody's talking about why um people make so much fuss about Ukraine and the Ukraine war and and they the people from Ukraine throwing molotovs uh, to Russians it's okay but Palestinians throwing rocks at Israelis it's not and German and all that. And I know you cannot cover everything, but I think that sometimes just making the comment it, or making some comments like that, it's useful for people to go and search themselves. And I wanted to comment on something you said at the last part. And do you know that um, Juan Orlando Hernandez is going to be extradited to US, to the U.S.? Hi.
3: Hi, so that that's the former leader of Honduras, and he's basically, exactly. basically the, a drug lord. He's basically a drug lord. Yeah,
4: ward. the one that was put, basically, it, he was Trump's guy, a Trump guy. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And, like, and now, <laughs>
3: he's, now he's been arrested in Honduras, and the U.S. wants to extradite him.
4: Yes, and, and he, he appealed, but they said no.
3: Yes. So I don't know when... That is going to happen, and I I'd love to hear from people who follow Honduras more closely what they think is going on there, because it, it's the Obama camp that it really installed the 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 you know the Honduras regime that's been ruling the country for the last um, thirteen years since the coup. I believe the coup was in two thousand nine. Right? Yes. Yeah. The one and, that
4: took the laser on on his pajamas to, to yeah. Pillows, I remember. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so I don't follow it too closely, so I'm not skilled to comment on it beyond that, but I, I'm very curious to see what happens. And yes, I wonder, yes. and I wonder yes. what's going on behind extraditing him, because he has been a U.S. ally. So what did, what's the agenda there? I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to hear someone more informed talk about it.
4: Exactly, me too. And uh, yes, it was, uh, it was, as you say, but it was a different, I mean, it was Obama. At that time, it was Hillary Clinton. But I think, well, for a while, I read uh, that he is more like a Trump guy. Mm. And, and, this. and mm. now, because Celeste's uh, wife, I, that's so, so, so much oh, to say Celeste's wife, because I cannot remember her name. <laughs> but, uh, Castro. <laughs> Castro, exact. Castro. Well, uh, well, okay, changing country. Um, the... I was wondering if you knew or if you knew where can I get some information about what's going on in Peru? I cannot seem to find something that's objective anyway.
3: Do you know who is a, a gringo who covers Latin America really well is my friend Ben Norton. He has a mm. site called Multipolarista. Okay. He, he covers Latin America. He, he lives in Nicaragua. And he covers Latin America extensively, and there's also the website that's based in Bolivia, yeah. With Comil- yes, um,
4: Cossetran news.
3: Cossetran. yes, yes, I, yes,
4: yes tell
3: me. I, I would suggest those two sites and seeing what they've done on Peru,
4: yes, okay, okay, I will because uh, from the other countries, I we have news, and another thing, the last thing uh, is uh, BORIC. I mean, they there is need big need to pay attention to, to his presidency because they are really, really saying In Chile? In Chile. There are yeah. many, like, how can I put it? We call it oligarchs in Russia. Here are, I don't know how they... Uh, but m- big money, like that. seven families with, with fortunes of Chile and then the rest of Chile, and they are not even recognizing him as president. That's what wow. they say. So it's not that he's had a coup or anything. He's been, uh, he's been the last week here. He, he's really like the nicest guy. But I don't know, it's worrying. And when one thing happens here, it has the tendency to replicate. So right. it was a good thing that it didn't replicate from Bolivia. But just that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, Bye. You. Thank you. Bye.
0: Okay. That was great. Um, let's see, let us go to our next caller. Uh, Anthony, why can't I go to the next caller? Like I usually can make next caller. Okay. Anthony, you there? Anthony, unmute yourself, please, by hitting the, um, microphone, uh, icon at the bottom right of your screen.
3: And if you guys, if you don't hit the mute button, I'm just going to sing pump up the demand on loop. Yeah. So that's right. your attentive right there.
0: Uh, I guess he, he couldn't, he couldn't deal with that. So we're going to go with our next caller and that pump is, up the demand,
3: uh, okay. uh, Hey,
5: you guys, uh, good to be here. Uh, great seeing Katie on, uh, the uh, uh Assange special uh, last night right. uh thank you for that um i I just wish we could get more people to know anything about it, but the media is um, just completely censoring that story um, but I have uh two things I just wanted to mention uh was uh did you happen to see the uh Jake Tapper uh in the early evening uh He had uh, General Petraeus on, and General Petraeus actually uh, said, and I'm reading the quote um, regarding uh, the Russians, they can also say that they have now denazified the southeast part of Ukraine. That's all they really wanted to do all along. Now, before and after, he had all kinds of nonsense to say, But it was really interesting to me that he actually, you know, said that, um, that, that the Russians wanted to do. So while they're completely still saying that, you know, the Ukrainians won and kicked the Russians out of Kiev, when it looks to me like Scott Ritter's assessment is much more believable that Russia, you know, had whatever they had to do in Kiev, which was mostly a feint. And now they've, you know, cut off, you know, the Ukrainian positions in the Donbass. So I, I guess I was just wondering uh, what you think about all of that.
3: Well, that clip sounds really interesting of Patrice saying that. And yeah. I, uh, I will try to find it. Uh, Cause that sounds really uh, like a, Interesting admission on his part, and I'm just reminded he's the genius who wanted to arm Syrian insurgents and even, even Petraeus even wanted to work with Al Qaeda. He openly advocated that uh, in Syria to fight the Assad government. That's the genius of David Petraeus. And so, when you're at that level where you're willing to entertain cooperating with Al Qaeda, you'll you'll sometimes, I guess, let the truth slip out and. It, if the clip is as you described, that's, then that's what he what he did there. So yeah. thanks for that.
5: Absolutely. I, I actually had uh, tweeted it and, and put uh, you guys on there as, you know, at Aaron J. Mate. But I'm not sure if, you know, you guys are covering so many things anyway. How can you keep up with all the
3: Twitter stuff? Um, well, if you could send that to me just in Colin, there's a message function. You can send it to me there. Um, oh, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Great. Um,
5: and, and then the second thing would be, what's your, uh, opinion on, uh, you had, um, uh, Jake Sullivan today. I remember a couple weeks ago, he was saying, we absolutely are not involved in any regime change. And, um, here, uh, if you've seen the reaction, uh, in Pakistan of what's going on there, uh, basically that's it.
3: Um, just what, what's your reaction to that? I know that Imran Khan has accused the US of overthrowing his government. I just have not looked into it at all. I've been so focused on Ukraine. So I I'm not it's not I can't really comment until I've looked into it, but certainly there's a lot of people demonstrating against the ouster of Imran Khan and he's saying it and you have to take it seriously given that the US has such a long record of overthrowing governments and and Imran Khan has given the US plenty of reasons to want to overthrow him because he's you know criticized u.s policy when it comes to russia and china and he's basically supported russia during the conflict in ukraine or at least he has not taken the u.s side and so when you do that when you defy the u.s hegemon you get marked for regime change so it would not surprise me at all if the u.s was involved here i just haven't looked into it yet so that's i can't comment beyond that okay well thanks again you guys keep up the good work Thank you. Okay.
0: Oops. okay. Uh, just a re- another reminder, come on down to the Katie Halper Show Tuesday to hear about Pakistan. And also, can I say one more thing? Because we're talking about Assange, which is that if you're in D.C., there's a rally from 2 to 4 p.m. outside the Department of Justice at 300 block of 10th. I don't know, the 300 block of 10th Street, Northwest. Mm. Okay. Now, let's go to our next person, and that is Peter.
6: Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. Uh, well, uh, perfect timing. Uh, again, I'm a little bit active because uh, I am going to do a show about the American justice system, and also I'm under the FBI investigation, so this Assange thing really uh, get uh, started uh, interesting because I watched your show last night, Katie. Uh, it's a great honor to uh, to see you on the stage. So I kind of know how tall you are know oh, yeah. and all that. Uh, I am. And so anyway, big fan because one of the collaborators uh, is a Jewish attorney in Delaware uh, who actually is also from New York. And oh, okay. uh, his uh, mother is a 103 years old, uh, uh, living in uh, uh, Franklin Island, if I'm not mistake- mistaken, uh, island off the Manhattan, I guess. So anyway, I want to talk about Assange today. Uh, I w- I'm a big fan of uh, Edward Snowden. As a matter of fact, when the FBI agents were with me during their pre dawn raid on my residence, I told them I'm a big fan of uh, Edward Snowden. And, uh, Assange, I have never paid close attention until last night. So I want to talk about two possible defenses for Julian Assange, even today as we speak. First, uh, there is, uh, we, we still have a chance to defend Assange in the United Kingdom because a famous person whose name is Ho Chi Minh, everybody knows who Ho Chi Minh is, mm-hmm. who once was arrested by, God, by the Hong Kong authority. Uh, the French uh, wants him to be extradited to Vietnam because he was tried absentia. Peter
3: Peter, Peter I'm mm-hmm. gonna cut it here. I can see where you're going and I just think this I can see where you're going with this and I think it's it's just too long for Colin. I, I have to make an editorial decision here. I it's just it's too I appreciate your support for Julian Assange and it's um, and we all share it, but I just to get into a a complex approach to his legal strategy, we just don't have time for it today. So, I understand yeah mm-hmm. but, but but i appreciate it though and uh um, oh no problem no, yeah. problem. no and, uh, problem and uh we all we all support julian in and and there are rallies going on and and let's all show our support for him that way so thank you peter no problem okay bye 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 tyler hi how are y'all how you doing
7: um Love, love listening to your show today. Always fun to see you guys make fun of Stelter. big fans. Um, I'm I'm wondering if either of you have done any coverage on the macroeconomic fallout of the Ukraine conflict um, with uh, Putin demanding that uh, European countries pay for gas in rubles and uh, deals between China and Russia that might possibly undermine the hegemony of the longstanding petrodollar and what the impacts for the global macroeconomic system would be. Um, one person I've been watching for great coverage on this is Richard Methurst, And I'm just wondering to know, since I love you guys and, and really appreciate your perspectives, I'm wondering just if you have any perspectives on this issue, which I think is of Pretty, pretty severe and significant importance at this point for for the world and for and for especially for those of us in the states.
3: I just defer to people who know stuff about this, like Michael Hudson. He's an economist who is really, really sharp. I recommend him, and he says that certainly yes, this will lead to the decline of the petrodollar. But uh, beyond that, all I can do is just refer people to people who I trust and follow. I, I myself have no original thoughts on the topic because I just don't know enough.
7: Yeah, um, I guess I guess I, I myself think it's it's relatively obvious this could lead to the collapse of the petrodollar,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um,
7: and uh, what I'm what I'm kind of driving at is um, what what would be the possible you know economic fallouts of such an event, and how how would an individual citizen try to prepare?
3: How will citizens try to prepare for the fall of the petrodollar?
7: I mean, just just given the, you know, it's it's an incredibly complex topic. I understand, I'm just kind of asking for takes at this point, but like, you know, the the kinds of
3: fallout prepared that by might... listening, to
0: Michael Hudson.
3: Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank I you. mean, yeah, that's the thing. I I just yeah, I, I I'd love to know too. I think it's a great question. I just yeah. I, I I'm not informed enough to say. All right, but well, th- the great you question
7: digs into this in a future segment. I will be uh, uh, eagerly anticipating. Take care, Absolutely. guys. Love love Absolutely.
3: your show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, by the way, I recently interviewed a journalist from B and E and Tell the News on my show, Pushback. He talked about some of the stuff. He has some interesting things to say. It's on my pushback show, which is on you can find, you know, YouTube or the podcast platform. So check that out. But also, yeah, I really recommend uh, Michael Hudson on this. And also, what's his name? Pepe Escobar also talks about this stuff all the time. It's a really big focus of his, and he seems very confident as well that the petrodollar is going to decline. But I just—I uh, don't know. I have no idea. <laughs>
7: yeah. All right, Michael Hudson and Pepe Escobar. Thank you. Yes. Guys. Appreciate. Thanks, Charlie.
3: Thank you. Appreciate you too. Thank you. Thank
7: you.
0: Okay, Mo. Hey, Mo. Unmute, please. Hit. Okay, you're good.
8: Yeah. Okay, great. So excited to talk to you guys. I'm so kind of nervous, but I have so many different things in my mind. I just want to start off by saying I love this format. I love the people you have speaking, people like Serge, Peter, Nush, even. Um, just a quick suggestion, maybe you guys can do like a, a friend of the Podcast beforehand for some of the more esoteric or long form cool things that some of the guests want to talk about because uh, I do find it really interesting and especially international perspectives that uh, we did on the program. Um, just uh, a quicker side uh, to Aaron, I guess, just to kind of keep it. Um, just, my question is, is that you had mentioned on your last podcast, um, Stephen Cohen, and I just been following some of the some of the, the best ways that I find to understand what's going on now is to watch old videos from years ago, kind of like Mershima from seven years ago. And uh, there was a good one from Cohen two years ago with, Dan Rather, where he was talking about his uh, book, War with Russia, question mark. And uh, on that video, he had stipulated an interesting question talking about uh, the security services instigating this war with Russia, question mark. And Dan Rather kind of not pushed it aside, but noted that it was an interesting remark. and. Um, I just wanted your opinion on that. Have you followed up on that? Or you know, I know Cohen was a, a big um, mentor for you, and so I was just in terms of that aspect of you know how much of are we really understanding what's happening that we might not happen and might not understand for like fifty years from now when we find out what uh CIA and and um, intelligence agencies are doing. So yeah. if, we're, if we're sending you know we're sending weapons openly over the border. That used to be kind of considered a uh, a red line, so to speak, in an armed conflict, and now it's just common knowledge. So, like, you know, what's going on that we don't even know about is kind of dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I think you understand what I'm what I'm what I'm. Yeah, at. yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. So first, first of all, let me say that. So that appearance by Steve with Dan Rather was, uh, yeah, it was a couple of years ago, and it was in Manhattan, and it was um, a really Interesting conversation because Dan Rather was actually very skeptical of a lot of what Steve was saying, even though they're old friends. They used to work. Was together. it 92nd Street
0: Y, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is correct. Yeah. And
8: they're
3: and they're old friends because they used to work together. You know, during the time of the Soviet Union, when Steve was an analyst on CBS News, which is really funny to think about. Imagine someone like Stephen F. Cohen being on corporate media now. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I mean, even as a guest for two minutes, let alone being an, an analyst on the air every single day. That just shows how much further to the right our media has gotten when it comes to issues like, you know, Russia over the last 30 years. And uh, I just want to say one thing about that night afterwards, Steve signed his book war with Russia question mark. And the lineup was just out of the room. And I just, it was so cool for me to watch people come up to Steve and express to him how much his work meant to them. And I imagine that that was one of the last opportunities that Steve had to hear from people because not long after that came the pandemic and then Steve died in September, right. 2020. So that was a, that was a special evening. And what he was talking about there is basically that he's saying, that you know, Russia Gate is called, you know, uh, it has Russia in the title because it's presumed that Russia was involved in the sweeping plot to install Trump in the White House and then also collaborated in a conspiracy with Trump. And Steve's point was that There's been no evidence for any of these claims, and a lot of it looks like it's been cooked up by intelligence agencies, whether it's in the U.S. or it's in the U.K. via Christopher Steele and people that they work with. And so Steve's point was that this should not be called Russiagate. It should be called Intelgate. And um, look, the more we learn about it, the more we just see, uh, you know, like a lot of Really deceptive activity and lies to the public, and I think Steve's point was totally apt. And in terms of what we will find out, you know, the John Durham investigation, which is ongoing, is a is a very good hope of that. Um, but we'll see. There are limits there to what he can provide, and we might not know the full truth for, for like for many years, if not ever. And the same thing with Ukraine. I mean, like we know from the leaked fo- phone call of Victoria Newland back in 2014 that the U.S. was plotting to install a new government in power. As to what exactly the U.S. did behind the scenes, it's something, again, that we might not know for a very long time. But there's been enough of these intelligence operations around the world by the U.S. to suspect that there's certainly a lot more going on uh, currently that we don't know about. For sure. For sure.
8: It's, it's crazy to think about um, this, uh, the history of You know, a few years ago, you know, it seems like nobody's surprised by this war with Russia. You know, it's no longer a question mark. It's becoming a reality. And then are we just knocking on, you know, the the nuclear aspect down the line. It's it's freaking scary to think about. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I really appreciate your level-headedness. You know, I I know why everyone's pushing you one way or the other, because the reality of our situation is so hectic. It's surprised to see you know you guys so calm with it because I think you guys understand everything better than than most people. So I think at least in that aspect it's helpful, (laughs) somewhat hopeful.
3: Well, thanks, uh, Mo. Thank you. Thank, thank Thank you for all Um, your work. Thank you.
0: Bye bye. 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 Chris, welcome, Chris.
1: Can you hear me? Hello. Yeah. Hi. Okay, so I've had the uh good fortune of having a broken neck for the past couple of weeks, so I've just been like stuck in bed just looking at Twitter <laughs> and um i've it's been kind of jarring to see kind of um people digest like the whole Buka situation um, I personally uh do kind of uh, agree with Scott Ritter, and uh, had the pleasure of kind of finding out about him the past couple of weeks, uh, and finding I I found many of the same things as him. Uh, but what I found even more jarring is that like Ursula von der Leyen actually went to Buca and also within days of that Boris Johnson went to Kiev. <laughs> And so, and then just also like looking at 60 minutes over the weekend, it was also kind of disgruntling. I'm seeing like kind of a momentum swelling up where it almost feels like, um, it almost feels like either these, these people are trying to score political points or they, uh, are thinking about actually getting NATO involved. And I'm wondering if, if you guys feel that too, uh, because before Boca, I thought in absolutely no way, I don't think they could ever sell that. Now I'm starting to see like all these war crimes that are dubious uh, coming to the surface like every couple of days. And it almost seems like uh, they're pushing for some sort of involvement. I was wondering what you think.
3: Well, first of all, can I ask how did you break your neck? And are you, I mean, how are you doing?
1: I'm I'm okay. Uh, it's a car accident. Car Okay. Yeah, just well, a whiplash. It's not. It's like a stable fracture, so it's not like a
3: paralysis. Thing. Okay. Gotcha. 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 But well, it's I'm, painful. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, listen. Thanks for spending your time with us. Your recovery, time with us, and, <laughs> and uh, I'm glad you're okay. Because that sounds very scary. Thank you.
1: Yeah, no, it it was. I mean, I don't remember it, but
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: I got nice. a concussion, so I don't remember the accident.
3: Wow, wow, wow. Well, listen, that's just a reminder to everyone to be safe. You know, be safe, mm-hmm. uh, be as safe as you can, and it's, um, geez. Anyway, I'm glad you're here. Um, yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Uh, look, it, it, yeah, it does seem to me, and we talked about it a bit today on the show. It does look like. The US basically wants a confrontation. And that's why there's talk of now sending even more weapons. And even though really it's about to get worse, I mean, if this Donbass offensive goes ahead, it's going to be awful because there are like, I think there's something like 60,000 Ukrainian troops around the Donbass. And so if they're all there and they're all fighting Russia, that's a lot of people who are going to die combatants yeah. and also civilians. And where is the diplomatic energy right now? I mean, it's Boris Johnson going in to do a photo op with Zelensky in in Kiev. And it's Jake Sullivan that we saw today on Monday morning just going on their Sunday news shows and bragging about how many more weapons the U.S. is sending in and how he's spending hours on the phone making a checklist of, like, all the weapons that the U.S. could could send. So it's um, it's scary.
1: Yeah, I I didn't... uh catch the whole show so i don't i didn't know if you already covered that or not but yeah i definitely noticed like a tone shift and it's pretty weird um because i would have never guessed that nato would ever be on the table like uh but i mean it just it's it's so crazy i mean it must i don't know
3: (laughs) it is it is yeah listen chris We wish you a really speedy recovery and all the best. And Thank you for calling in. Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you, Chris. Okay, and uh, Andrew.
9: Hello, can you hear me? Yes. All right, cool. Um, So I'm much newer to politics than you guys and than some of the people who have spoken. My first U.S. election wasn't until 2016. Um, But I'm excited to be actually coming back to D.C. in June for an event co-hosted by uh, Poor People's Campaign and Code Pink, which is going to be a lot of fun. But uh, today I wanted to men- discuss something that happened a couple days ago, which is that um half a dozen Chinese heavy airlift planes flew to Serbia where, uh, according to mainstream media, they delivered... Uh, Chinese surface-to-air missiles to that country. And with Serbia reiterating that it doesn't want to join NATO, I imagine that NATO's probably considerably worried by this. And so I wanted to ask if you knew whether this is part of a larger effort by China to partner with European countries or whether Serbia is a uh, isolated case. <laughs>
3: I have no idea. I This is the first I'm hearing of that. And it's, yeah, I have no idea. But great question. And I'll yeah. try to find an answer for you.
9: I actually found out about all this because I follow a number of uh, accounts on Twitter who track military aircraft. And so I guess they were the ones who originated the reporting on this, which is kind of cool, even though I'm disappointed that they've been basically... Uh, on the side of the u s and NATO and the Ukraine crisis this whole time, but uh I guess sometimes they do give valuable insight on what's happening and it was really cool to learn about this, yeah, so yeah, I'll definitely be keeping an eye out and you know hopefully if if you find out about it, what's happening
3: you for can, sure for sure and yeah. you know. On future shows, call back in and tell us what you found out because that's uh that's really interesting.
9: I'll do my best. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Steve
3: is next.
0: Steve, unmute yourself by hitting the mic icon at the bottom right of your screen.
10: Hello? Hi. Hi.
11: Hey. Um, hi, Katie. Hi, Aaron. Hello.
0: Hello. Yeah.
11: Hello, Steve. Hi. Yeah, so I'm an American living in Vietnam. Um, long-time supporter of you guys, and um, a little bit disturbed about what's going on over there. Mm. Uh, and um, I just I keep thinking about Kind of uh, this notion of a golden bridge um, Talked about like by Sun Tzu And sort of a way out for your enemies And all that And it just seems like There's got to be a way out of this
0: Yeah Yan- Fockies, I heard him refer to that Also with
11: Putin? Yeah, it, it just seems like there's, um, you know, conflicts like this, you know, you, you want to find a way for your adversaries to sort of escape and get out and retain, you know, um, stay alive. And, and I'm just wondering what the golden bridge is here, like a way out.
0: Well, I think part of the issue is that they are not interested in that, right? Like we've heard, kind of member of the administration after member of the administration saying that this is going to be a long haul. Yeah, but no,
11: no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking about Putin. Right. Putin leaving a golden bridge for.
0: Oh, sorry. Okay. For the you.
11: U.S. and EU to get out of this, you know, like a Putin leaving a way out. For the EU
3: and America. Well, look, it's pretty clear what Russia's demands are. They want neutrality for Ukraine, so a pledge not to join NATO, and they want, uh, they want R- Russia's uh, possession of Crimea to be recognized, and they want the Donbas republics to be recognized as being independent. That's that's what their demands are. And I don't see them budging on that because they went up. I mean, they did this military invasion to ensure it. So I don't see them backing down off of any of that. And, uh, the question. For, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, but
11: I, I, what I'm, what I'm saying is that somehow it's gotta be like, we'll give you that. And we'll give you this, you know, there's need to be sort of a face saving way out for the U S and the EU.
0: But again, I think yep. it goes back to, you're saying offered to the U.S. and the EU?
11: No, I mean, uh, if, if Putin is thinking long term, he would want to find, uh, give a golden bridge for the U.S., NATO, EU to sort of get out of the trap they've created for themselves.
3: Yeah. So uh, he's got to be able to. Yeah, sure. Well, look, um, let's hope maybe there's some creative way for that to happen. Um, I don't know what that is beyond what the demands are that he's put on, on the table. But yeah, I mean, you know, this is how war's end is through diplomacy. So. Right. And, ho- and so, you know, it, it seems like um, Putin needs
11: to sort of give something to, to sort of pretend like the U.S. and NATO and EU have gotten something out of this?
3: Well, you know, uh, Putin is not opposed to Ukra- uh, Ukraine joining the EU. Uh, he really? Want, yeah, no, yeah, he isn't. Huh. Uh, he just doesn't want them joining a military bloc like NATO. So, But the problem is the EU doesn't want Ukraine to join it because Ukraine is so, is, it, it's a mess. It, it was a mess before the war. And now it's even worse now. So Ukraine would be a drain on the EU, so the EU didn't want it. But face-saving yeah, but this, wise,
11: but, but but the situation is so nasty now with mm-hmm. the the gas prices and potentially the food prices, and it's so nasty now that mm-hmm. that you know that you'd think that people would be focusing on a face-saving way out of this.
3: Yeah, you'd think. They should be, but they're not because they're so consumed. I think with just their animus toward Russia and their hostility to giving Russia any kind of victory, they just don't. You know,
11: they don't. There want has them. to be some kind of yeah. Listen, some think, kind of yeah. policy, intelligent sort of. You know, right. Some right. kind of
3: yeah. Yes. You know. Yes. Well, listen, Steve. The point's very clear, and uh, and we appreciate it. It's. Your point very well taken. So, thanks for the call. Sure, thanks. Thanks Billy,
0: bye. Okay, Billy.
12: Yes, hello. Good morning, Aaron and Katie, and everybody. Good morning. Hey, so uh, I was a young teenager in 1962 for the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now here we are, 60 years later, in a frighteningly similar situation. And from rereading a book about that time. The Kennedy tapes, because JFK had a secret taping system for his National Security Council meetings during the crisis. And one thing that really struck me in starting to reread it, given the current situation we're in, is that he got a wide range of views. And thankfully, he opted for the less insane military option, which the Joint Chiefs of Staff and other people wanted to do, of an, bombing all the Russian bases in Cuba and then staging a U.S. invasion to overthrow Castro. But, you know, as we know, a diplomatic solution was ultimately reached. So my question for today is, now we don't know what's going on inside the Biden administration's deliberations, if they even have any, but do you guys have any sense that there's any dissent for the all-out drive to, you know, drive the Russian economy into the ground, ruin the lives of 150 million Russians, and also affect people around the world because of what's going to happen to the global food
3: system? Is there any dissent or any debate have you heard anything Yes. no <laughs> no no there is some dissent i think from the pentagon on making this into a you know world war there's right. people in the pentagon who have leaked stuff to undermine that they you know um that that's been happening but in terms of crushing russia's economy no i don't see any dissent about that at all none Right. And that just it has global implications, as we all know,
12: you know, on this call. So, yeah, I mean,
3: food prices will raise in Europe, but food prices uh, hikes will be even worse in Africa and the the Middle East, which I understand relies a lot on uh, uh, wheat and fertilizer that's imported from Russia and Ukraine. Right. And of course, no one's talking about that in Washington because they don't care. Evidently not. Hey, Saul,
12: so I'll, I'll let you move on to the next caller, but I had one other little comment. Guess who's got a Ukrainian background? I don't know if you guys have mentioned this before. Anthony Blinken, his grandfather,
3: immigrated, a Jewish immigrant from Ukraine. Okay, well, that that's interesting. So do many Jews. Uh, a lot of Jews come from, from Ukraine. For example, Noam Chomsky, his one of his parents comes from uh, comes from Ukraine, and another parent comes from Belarus. Wow. Yeah. yeah so,
12: uh, but my point of with uh, Lincoln, it was just another irony that here he is embracing the Azov Battalion.
3: Yeah, exactly. The the, the people who you know a few generations ago would have been murdering his right. his ancestors. Now he's arming them. Yeah, that's that. That's a good point. Okay, All guys. Right.
12: Well, keep up the great work, and I'll listen.
3: Thanks, Billy. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Bye. and Anthony. Good morning what's up uh, Aaron
10: what's and up? Katie? What's going on? Uh, well, uh, not much I was just thinking you know uh we can't really control Putin we can't control Europe but we can try to uh, control people in America and you know the last caller was talking about dissent and has there been any dissent against this drive to war and uh absolutely uh, i think a lot of us we probably saw claire Daly, the you know the irish politician she's real good she she mm-hmm. said when as nato promoted peace we shouldn't be sending weapons we're shooting ourselves in the foot and you know she she actually wants accountability for the us war crimes of the last two decades you know and unlike our non existent political left say uh, the squad jai paul kana Pocan, and bernie sanders They, uh, well, not in the Senate, but in the House, they all voted. They didn't all vote for sanctions, as we uh, found out last week, but they did all vote for a resolution for lethal aid. And they did all vote for a resolution for full support of NATO last week. Like, it it literally says unequivocal support of NATO. So we don't have a political left in America. Oh, I missed
3: that. I missed that. That was last week? Yep. Wow. 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 And that was both. They could take a page out of her book out of uh, sorry say that again i understand i think
10: our uh, squad and uh kind and the jayapal and all the, them they could take a page out of claire daly's book but obviously they're not interested in it but I think maybe we could as a left in america
3: yeah imagine that imagine them having the uh the courage that claire daly has claire daly by the way has been great on the opcw cover-up she's constantly raised it that's the story that i cover you know the the chemical weapons cover-up about Syria. And she's been great on that. She's raised it. And it just to have a politician in the U.S. like her and Mick Wallace, who's also a European member of Parliament from Ireland, it's just unimaginable.
10: Yep. All right. Well, uh, I'll let you get to the next call. I just had to make that point. That would Appreciate it. Appreciate Aaron,
0: it. Do we follow you on Twitter? Aaron? Say it again. Does Claire Daly follow you on Twitter?
3: Uh, Yeah. Yeah, oh,
0: came a good
3: idea. You're seeing future uh, useful idiots guests? Yeah, thought, yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Let's do that. All right, Rudy.
3: Hey, how you guys doing? Good, you? Um, Actually, good. sorry, Katie. Correction, that she does not follow me on Twitter. I just checked, um, but I do know right. her. All right, so can...
0: anyone is followed by Claire Daly on Twitter. <laughs> Slide into those DMs. No, Tell it's fine.
3: I, I, I can, I, I can contact her. So it's. All right, we'll fine. do that. We'll do that. But I, I just don't want to put out fake news that she followed. Right.
1: It's very, yeah. it's very good.
3: Yeah.
0: All right, Rudy, we're back right. to you. Yeah,
3: sorry. Hey, sorry, Rudy,
6: go ahead.
13: It's all good. I just want to say that I do not agree with uh, what Aaron just said. He said that what he had said that um, Democrats don't, aren't thinking about what's happening in Africa. And that's not true because Democrats are the champion of black people. You know that's a that's a joke. So Yeah. But,
0: I thought you were gonna say t- thinking about it, they're just thinking about how to ruin it or something. Okay.
13: <laughs> but in any case, um I was gonna say, you know, there I was watching the Young Turks and over there there's no I I didn't wanna I didn't wanna involve <laughs> Aaron because it's a little bit close. <laughs> um but yeah I was watching the Young Turks and they were talking about a Russian sort of influencer and in any case then they basically started getting like you know almost rabid in their you know hate for Russia and if you look at the comments there's all kind of crazy just anti-Russian hate I've, it's crazy what's going on out there Um and what do you guys know about what's happening with the yachts are they what are they going to do with the yachts afterwards I, I the, the yachts being that.
3: seized from the oligarchs basically yeah. it's just it's just photo ops it's just photo ops for 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 us news networks like we're going after the oligarchs we're taking the yachts right. and you know it's what difference it makes at all for ukraine like zero Not, zilch um if an oligarch uses a yacht it doesn't really it doesn't really impact them. they can just buy more and also by the way, look um Putin has been trying to get Russian oligarchs to bring their money back to Russia for a long time and right. so the actually, I think this crackdown on the on the oligarchs helps Putin because it they'll be forced to bring their money back to Russia, where it can be taxed, and so this will be good for him
13: It's a crazy own goal we're doing over there yeah. 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 Anyway, um, thank you guys for what you're doing. It's it's a crazy world, by the way. George Galloway was mm-hmm. the last politicians to raise hell in you know the U.S. Congress when he was invited by, I think it was Norm Coleman. He went on the offense. He was like, "You guys think you're interrogating me? I've got you guys on the stand." And he just like <laughs> tore them a new one. I don't know if you guys seen that video, but it was it was awesome. pretty
3: great. It was pretty great. Yeah.
13: pretty great. Bree's yeah. show reminded me of that. Just watching her tear into Rose, who was feigning stupidity, it it was it was. Aaron, Katie, you guys got to tell us what we got to do with. I want you guys' opinion on you know what where we go from here because obviously Roe's no good. <clears throat> he can't keep getting credit just because he likes to come to the shows and get abused. <laughs> that's that's.
3: Well, no. no, I do give him credit for that. I do. I give him credit for that. I don't give him credit for his views, which I find increasingly odious, but uh, I will give him credit for coming on because, look, it's, uh, that, that takes some courage to come on and face tough questioning, especially when all his colleagues don't face tough questioning. So I, I do give Roke Ro credit for that. I think, I think, he, I think he deserves it.
13: It, it did feel good. I mean, because we're always the ones suffering. It did feel good to see a politician get torn a new one. So that was, that was yeah. Nice.
3: Bree did a great job. I recommend that for people who haven't seen it. Bree Joy Gray interviewing Rokana. It was it was great. Next Ooh. time
13: it's gonna be Katie. I'm waiting for Katie to just grill yeah, this guy. Ooh, that's gonna be so good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> better at
3: that. Thank you guys. All right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, <Rudy>. Thanks.
13: Bree. <laughs>
0: Okay, Gabe, who looks remarkably like uh, Hunter uh, Biden. Hi, Gabe.
14: Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I just, I love this profile picture. I, I use it for all my social media.
0: Nice. It's Hunter. Um,
14: I just wanted him. to say, oh, sorry.
0: Oh, no, I was just clarifying it's Hunter Biden for people who can't, See
14: it right now. Yeah, I just want to say I'm a huge fan, uh, Aaron. You're my hero. I never miss a pushback video. Um, appreciate all that you do. You as well, Katie. I, I'm a newer fan for your show, um, but I think you guys tagging up is just super of Something that needed to happen. Um, Thanks. I was curious about the the geopolitical situation with uh, Russia-China relations. I noticed there's a Security Council resolution uh essentially condemning the russian invasion of ukraine and china actually abstained from uh condemning uh russia opposed to sort of standing with them um, do you think this conflict is a win for china um and how do you think uh the relations between, between those two countries are going to proceed with the con- conflict extending <sighs> I don't think
3: Russia would have invaded Ukraine if it hadn't secured the support of China. Support not just diplomatically, but also to uh, offset Russia's massive economic losses that will come from it being cut off from the West. So, the fact that Russia invaded Ukraine says to me that it had China's support because it couldn't it couldn't have done it without knowing that Russia that China would have its back. So I am expecting deepening ties between the two countries.
14: Thank you for answering my question. Keep on fighting the new Cold War uh, and stay awesome. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks, kid. Thank
0: you. All right. We got Fariha. Oh, Fariha's gone. So we got no war.
15: Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, Katie. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hasn't come up in a while. Colin! Uh. Colin! (laughs) Hey, um, I don't know if you guys want to comment. I'm just curious if you do want to comment at all on the event that Kim and Max and Jimmy were at this weekend and, and Jackson and a bunch of other people for one. Um, And also, you know, I just keep thinking about, I don't like giving Joe Biden much credit. I think he's been mostly terrible, but he did resist calls to stay in Afghanistan longer. He did that terrible drone strike on ISIS K that was just killing a bunch of civilians. But, but he did get us out of there, and, and I believe in giving credit where credit's due. And he has so far resisted um, – I mean, we're as much in Ukraine as we can be without being in the Ukraine-Russia situation. But, you know, watching the White House press corps uh, go after Jen Psaki every day. I mean, that, that video a few weeks ago that The Intercept put out of Ryan with Ryan Grimm asking the only question that's like about peace and how we get out of this and everybody else is asking questions about how to escalate, you know, how much longer do you think Joe Biden can hold on to this, uh, you know, keeping us out as much as we are out and what, what is there to do to, to back him up on this, um, and help him do the right thing and keep us out as much as possible. Not to give Biden too much credit. I mean, yeah, no
3: i it is- I think the I think the Pentagon is doing a good job because they don't want to fight Russia, they really don't because they know what that means. So I'm not worried about the U S. getting directly military involved with Russia. Or I shouldn't say I'm not worried. I just don't think the odds of it are are very high. And yeah, in terms of what can be done, it's uh, you know it it's it's difficult, like there are people in Congress who at least have said that Biden oh, into the war will need congressional authorization, although not that that stopped a president before um but uh yeah it it's, it's really it's really the media who are clamoring for that the most, and they in terms, yeah they are it's crazy, but of course but they can because they're not going to fight the war, their kids aren't going to fight in the war, and they just want to create some excitement for themselves but there, you know, I don't see anybody inside the Pentagon who wants a war with Russia. So I think that you can take some reassurance there. It doesn't mean though that some really shady stuff isn't happening. Like the CIA, who knows what they what they're getting up to inside of Ukraine and um, and just a lot of awful things are still yet to come. That's just the unfortunate reality. And in terms of the mandate rally, yeah. So yesterday there was the defeat the mandate rally in L.A. and Max Blumenthal and Jimmy Dore were there speaking at it. And I didn't see it, but um, look, Max and Jimmy have been on this cause for a while where they felt as if these mandates were an assault on working people. And I I was pretty, you know, I stood out of it at first, but I think as the more evidence has come up, the more yes, that, that, that they were right. And I think um, in opposing mandates, they're basically standing up for something that's really hurt working class people and created a sort of an othering of people who choose not to get vaccinated. I personally got vaccinated and I, I think that, you know, I, I believe the vaccines are effective, but I also respect someone's right to not believe that and to decide for themselves what's good for their bodies. And so I think uh, in doing what they're doing, Jimmy and Max are advocating for working people and I support that.
15: Yeah, totally. Uh, you do have to respect Rokana for going into hostile interviews. Something nobody else will do. That was an amazing, amazing ass beating that Bree handed to him. And, yeah, like you guys said, everybody that hasn't seen that uh, should go watch it because
14: Bree has a special way of
15: browbeat, like, not browbeating, but, like, of nicely making you look like a fucking idiot. And that's what she did to Rokana for an hour straight. And it was just something beautiful to watch. Um, it was. Just amazing, but yeah, um,
3: I agree. It, the, it I just learned well about
15: the Star Ritter thing. Do you know, I haven't had a chance to look into it, and then I'll jump down. I've asked a few questions. Um, do you know anything about that? And I mean, he just got reinstated like on Thursday or something last week. and Then he's off again on Sunday. Is it just because <laughs> he's anti anti the U.S. message on this? Is that is that all that's going on?
3: I I don't know what the official rationale was for his latest suspension. His last suspension was so dumb; it was for allegedly, you know, a targeted harassment or and encouraging harm for a tweet that did no such thing. And so that's why he was reinstated. And I don't know what got him banned again, but yeah, um, he uh, look. I definitely think it's true they're going after dissenting voices on the war in Ukraine, and Scott is a particularly informed voice because of his career in the military and with the UN. So that would make him a target. And I would not be surprised at all if going after him is politically motivated.
15: It seems that way. Anyway, thanks for taking my call.
0: I would add one thing, which is I'm not quite as sanguine as Aaron is. I mean, I think that the Pentagon doesn't want to fight Russia, but you never know what happens when people feel like they're politically pressured into something. So we sh- I think we should try to figure out how to, I mean, I don't know, back up Biden or however you want to put it, like, make it so that he doesn't feel any pressure to do that. I mean, fingers crossed the Pentagon won't let that happen. But again,
3: you never really know.
15: No, I think that's a great point, Katie. I think that's a great point. Thank you, guys.
3: We need to back up Biden and also ask Biden to back it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. all right uh thanks for the call all right amanda you no, are uh, day, guys. Too.
16: hi guys good morning good morning um i just wanted to make a really quick observation uh after i say thank you very much for having this call in it's such a nice refreshing opportunity to talk to people that i've been listening to for a long time and i respect so thanks All that said, um, there was something that caught my ear when you played the video about Trump's endorsements, and it was that there was, when they just were listing off people, one of them was age 26 and lived two two hours outside the district in which he's running. Don't you have to be 28 to run for Congress? Or is that in a local election? I'm just so curious about what that, (laughs) it just perked my ear, that's all.
0: I'm looking that up right now. Let's see, congressional age requirement. What do we got? 25, at least 25.
16: Oh, 25. So, he's 26, but he doesn't live in the district.
0: <laughs> Interesting.
16: It I just found it kind of amusing and and in the in the tone of of the show that you guys do, which I very much appreciate having on monday mornings
0: thanks yeah we'll have to look into that candidate
16: <laughs> it's probably not important yeah. have a good day
0: but it is kind of entertaining
16: have a good day
3: and the suffering we go through to put on monday morning for you it makes it all <laughs> worth it when you get <laughs> i like appreciate that. So, so your
16: suffering you. so much thank you so, so much thank you Aaron. <laughs> i appreciate that thank you thank you
0: all right sean
17: Okay. Hey, guys, hey. how's it going? Good, you? Not bad, can't complain. I, I love your show. I love everything that you guys do. I'm a huge fan. Thanks. start with that. Um, so I, I wanted to get your guys' take on something that I noticed in the past day or so, which I thought was kind of, I mean, there's just so much stuff that's going on these days, it's disturbing, but this was really disturbing. Um, the EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, Joseph Borrell, um, recently said, I don't know exactly when it was, it was in the past 24 hours, he said that, that this conflict in Ukraine is going to be resolved on the battlefield or something wow. to that effect. He specifically kind of said on the battlefield. And I just thought that, that was just insane because, I mean, that's just insane that a, that a, a foreign policy, a diplomat would say something like that. Um, so I guess a couple of questions based on that context. The first is like, um, what do you guys think the significance of this is? And that's sort of an obvious question, but you know. And then the second part of that would be, what do you think is going to be the long term impact of this conflict on the EU? And that's it. Hmm. EU. The, uh,
3: the long term impact on the EU. I think it's going to be higher energy prices and food prices and then social unrest, because as prominent people are warning about in Germany, what the U.S. is asking Germany to do is essentially going to crush Germans, Germany's economy. And so if Germany continues to go along with the U.S., then they're going to, there's going to be chaos because there's going to be supermarket shelves that are empty. And actually, in fact, that's already happening in Germany. And so, I don't see how that's sustainable, and how people will not rise up against that and The answer to me is for Europe to take charge of its own security, stop relying on the u s because the u s just creates problems for it i mean it's you know it's it's nice to live under like the the friendly u s umbrella, knowing the u s will always protect you but is that the only way <laughs> i mean why not Why not try to live? and integrate with everyone in your entire continent, you know, and that's what the answer seems to be to me, but it's just, the the forces behind NATO are are so politically powerful that it's difficult to get there.
17: But that's what I mean. Like, for example, I mean, to me, this is such like, this is so institutionally disruptive to the institution to, to not only make a statement like that, but to ha- set this as the policy so that now you're going to have all these EU members that are going to be sending weapons to Ukraine to fight a war on the European continent. It seems that this is going to, to me, like institutionally, this is going to, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? I feel like this is going to seriously undermine the institution. I mean, this precedent is going to really disrupt the foundations of the institution. I don't know.
3: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, We'll see. We'll see.
17: Yeah, I guess we'll see. Well, thanks, guys.
3: Thank you. And and we're going to wrap in five minutes, so Only time for a few more callers, including Masha.
18: Yay. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm going to be super, super fast and brief then. Um, So one of the things I wanted to talk about most that you guys covered on Useful Ideas this morning was the Patriot missile battery the Slovakia sent uh, to Ukraine and how uh, sorry they they sent their old stuff, but the u s is going to backfill it's gonna and that's like the story kind of across the board now and to me, it seems like uh the u s is like using NATO like an m l m like scheme like you know selling u s weapons on the subscription model to like other nato countries and uh one of the things uh Yanis Varoufakis wrote uh in Global Minotaur was the wh- among the things that collapsed. Uh, you know, Greek, the Greek kind of like, uh, sovereignty and independence movement was their indebtedness to, um, like to these weapons manufacturers because they had taken on these enormous, um, like, uh, obligations in, to, in order to make their military interoperable with other NATO states. And so I'm I'm wondering what you both think of of uh, of that as like it's yet another kind of like arm of this octopus that's just uh, kind of like seeking to to hobble and in debt these European nations. Um, and, and basically like as a as like a like a an end run around on whatever sovereignty is inside of those states so that they can like just bring in like technocrats you know uh, and austerity and like you know ostensibly rule it um for you know for the best of the citizenry but but really it's it's just to to extract um all all manner of treasure and and, and goods etc
3: yeah you're here here I agree. I totally agree. NATO's a racket. That's why when NATO expanded in the late 1990s, there was a huge flurry of defense contractor lobbying. The head of the committee to expand NATO, the main lobby group, was the vice president of Lockheed Martin. And the same grift is going on in Europe.
18: It's like Amway. Yeah, it's exactly like Amway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then just to, just to briefly address uh, China in Serbia, like they, um, delivered HQ 22 missiles, which are like air defense missiles in Serbia. And I think that it probably is related to the fact that the, like the Serbian, um, po- like popular support collapsed for the Rio Tinto project, which was a lithium, uh, a lithium extraction project that was supposed to go ahead in Serbia. And I, I personally, my analysis would be that China is, is basically creating um, a, a dependent relationship there, just like they have across Africa in in order to to do their own kind of resource extraction. And right. that is all I will say. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Masha.
3: All right.
0: All right. We got our final caller, right?
3: It looks like it. Yes.
0: Walio, I can't see your full name, so... Wally. Hi.
19: Hello. Hi. Uh, could you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can. You guys can call me Wally. It's, uh, Wally. Uh, I'm going to, if I go on too long, just bear with me here a little bit. Uh, I'm from Bangladesh. I live in the U.S. Uh, I was a very big time Bernie Sanders supporter. Mm-hmm. I was been here since before 2016. And I always had this utopian hope that Bernie would win the presidency. And maybe after him, we would have our real first women president, like a Nina Turner or an AOC. That was such a disappointment. Mm. And I I would always pivot back to, I have an uncle that's been in the States since 93. And I would always tell him that you should vote for Bernie. And he would always say, it's pointless. I've been here since 93. Nothing changes in this country. And now I'm coming to a realization that he's probably right and nothing does change in this country. And if you go back to historical context, um, especially looking at uh, Chris Hedges' uh, interview on Brianna Joy Gray when George McGovern won the nomination, the Democratic elite joined the Republicans to defeat him. They got yeah. rid of JFK, they got rid of MLK, they got rid of anyone who ever stood up. Uh, so I, I the, the point I'm trying to basically make is that at what point do we realise that we are pretty much essentially fucked between climate change or nuclear war? I just don't see like like don't see a solution to the vast majority of problems in the world. From you know, education, healthcare, food, shelter, and at what point do we just accept that it's it's pointless? Well honest, uh, in any system. Right. And as 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 a Muslim too, you know, like at certain point we just I, I feel like at a certain point I just feel like everybody should just start taking off, you know, we should just start helping our neighbor. Instead of trying to change this. Because I just feel like it's pointless.
3: Well, I totally get the sentiment. It's something I feel often. But I would counter by saying, um, what's the point in declaring everything pointless? I mean, all you're then doing is ensuring that you're ensuring that the worst will happen. And, you know... We Whoa. can't we we can't control any outcome, no matter what. The world's going to go the way it's going to go. But we, what we can control is what we do about it. And if we do something, at least we're trying. And that's how I try to live my life. Is well, you know, my, I, I, my... I have no I have no illusions that you know I have no I don't have this like uh, you know uh, this optimism that things are all going to be okay. I have no idea. But the point is, we we don't know how the future is going to go. It sure looks bad, but. By doing nothing and giving up, we're, we're, we're guaranteeing that the worst will happen. So why not try? That's what I say.
19: I, I was more thinking like, okay, I was thinking of what maybe Jimmy Carter is doing right now is building houses. Like
0: more mutual so, aid. So maybe
19: we should probably start thinking of that. Maybe we should just start thinking of helping our neighbors and more, yeah. more yeah. on a that level instead of Because ultimately, I just don't see how we can change these systems. So might as well help our neighbor first. Right. then think
3: of all those other things. Any any way you feel as if you you are making the world better, then that's what you should do. And I I think, yeah. And so doing, helping your neighbors, that's a wonderful idea. And I I wish more of it had popped up during the pandemic, you know?
0: Mutual, I would say looking into mutual aid is a good idea. And Dean's aid has written a lot on mutual aid. Because okay. that's okay. better. I think it's mutually, it, it's like kind of less, it's less about charity and more about justice, but it uses a lot of the same principles.
19: Okay. Okay, thank you for that. I just have one last question. Uh, what do you think of the situation in Pakistan right now with the coup that happened and the removal of Imran Khan?
3: Well, anytime someone accuses the U.S. of being behind a regime change campaign, you got to take it seriously, because the U.S., has been doing that for so long and because the US has an interest in doing it. Imran Khan has resisted a lot of what the US does around the world. And so we'll both be looking so into it. Katie is interviewing like Katie TV, is TV Katie TV is Katie is, uh, is interviewing Vijay Prashad tomorrow night on her show and okay. I'll be doing something on my show too. So stay tuned. So tune
0: in, yeah. And I'm at mine's at youtube.com slash the Katie for Show. That's where you can find
19: it. I know. I I follow all of you guys. So thank you
3: very much. All right. Well,
0: Because you know, even Chris Hedges, who's, you know, very much a realist about this, and you just cited him and how he doesn't have faith in the Democrats. He does say he fights fascism not to win, but to fight fascists. So keep the faith and or at least keep the struggle going. It's the least we can do. And also, I understand turning to mutual aid as a focus. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And look at Chris Smalls. We never thought that would happen. Exactly. With Amazon. Yeah. But for your pessimism, I I share it, honestly. But we got to do what we can do.
3: Amen. Well, on that note.
0: On that note, we will see you next week. We will see you this week with useful idiots, our release, and we'll see you on um, calling next week.
3: We will see you this week. We will see you next week. We'll see you the week after that. The week after that. Yeah. Because useful idiots are here for you, pumping up the demand.
0: Pump up the demand, pump it up while you feet us stomping on poor people's heads. That's that's not what we're doing. That's what
3: Lawrence Exactly right. Exactly. Summers, summers. Yeah. All right, bye yeah. everyone. Bye everybody. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Thanks for tuning in.
3: Have a great day.